Howdy, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch Podcast, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard and its many games and other games, too. Uh, games that were not made by Blizzard or even related to them in the slightest. Although, that doesn't happen every episode. But we're, we're looking, we're always trying. So. Hey, we talked about 40K on Sunday. Yeah, we did. Um, by the way, you should go listen to that. It was fun. Um, with me, of course, are my two absolutely smashing co-hosts uh smashing in a good way not smashing as in smashing <laughs> things but i can't speak to that i don't know what gamma ration and against they get up to when they're by themselves hulk smash hulk yeah. smash speaking of hulk uh, uh that's our editor-in-chief uh liz harper no. hello uh, i'm not like- actually i'm not actually the hulk in case you were confused about that yeah. And uh, also with us is uh, Joe Perez, who, if he were picking a superhero, I'm pretty sure it would be Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, there's the Miles zero. Morales version. I, I, yeah, I 100% have a spider Sona. I have my own like offshoot powers modeled after a specific spider. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you got me, but I already introduced myself. So uh, let's talk about stuff going on. Um, in August, I want to say August 4th, but I don't know if I want to say that because I have a doctor's appointment. Do we know when in August season four is going to be happening in Shadowlands? The second. The second. Okay, cool. My doctor's appointment is not on the same day. That means <laughs> I have a chance to do something. Uh, you have a little time. Yeah. We're having the uh, season four, which is the it's the patch that comes in and, and adds various features to Shadowlands. Kind of is a, a nod to the fact that there's going a few months before the game is coming out, the next expansion is coming out. Uh, we know that Dragonflight is coming out sometime before December 31st of this year, which means they've got five months from right now to get it out. Good luck to you. But in the meantime, you're going to have the Shadowlands season four. Um, let's see. What do we talk about first? I think we should probably talk about the dungeons we're going to see. We're going to see several uh, dungeons from previous World of Warcraft expansions as mythic plus dungeons in Shadowlands. Uh uh, Tazavesh, I, I know Tazavesh is broken up into two, and that's going to be two different mythics. Um, is that the case, or are they going to have it? Is all Tazavesh already mythic? is okay. Um, Streets and uh, is, is Mechagon out yet? I don't think uh, Mechagon's been released as far as like updated for for current. Well, yeah, nothing, nothing has been updated for current until season four starts in August. Yeah. So. We're having um, Operation well, Mechagon. Taz- except Tazavesh has been around as two separate mythics, mythic pluses right. now. I mean, so that, that's the only exception. Yeah, that, does, that just exists now, but none of yeah. the old ones are coming yeah. in. Yeah, the old, the old ones that are coming in are both halves of Operation Mechagon, both halves of Return to Karazhan. Uh, then, because they w- didn't have a mega dungeon in Warlords of Draenor, we're getting Grimworld Depot with the motion sickness stuff controlled. Uh, which is great for a guy who had to tank that thing with with motion sickness over and over again back in in Warlords. Man, I hated that. Uh, and Iron Docks is the other one. F- I think Iron Docks. Yeah, yeah. Iron Docks yeah. is the last one from Warlords that's coming back as a Mythic Plus in season four. Um, I, I I'm pretty sure that's not all the Mythics we're going to have. Like the right the current Mythics are still going to be around, right? Uh, to my knowledge, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard anything it's about just, them taking the other stuff out. No, it's just, just adding these ones in. Yeah, it's just, it's literally just adding new stuff in so that they can, you know, expand. And I want to say expand content, but like I've been doing Mythic Pluses now with friends and you kind of get, I don't want to say into a rhythm, but you kind of memorize the patterns and the, the routes and everything. And it gets real samey real quick, despite uh, changing for each season and what it adds in as the extra for like higher keys. And adding older older dungeons that one are fun, uh, but two uh, force you to think about routing differently at that point is just it's good. It's just not the same. It's not saying like oh I'm just gonna run Mist fifteen again. I know exactly the path that I'm gonna take with this. It's gonna be the same thing every single time, whether it's quaking or or you know uh, bolstered or or whatever. Instead, now it's like, okay, well, do I? What do I remember about this dungeon? What's my optimal path for it? Like, how do I pull? Like, wh- where do we go with things? And I'm here for it. I'm here for bringing back a lot of those older dungeons to do exactly that. Speaking of that, though, uh, this is something that I know that I'm pretty interested in. I think Liz, you talked about being interested in it. We're also going to have like a once a week there will be a faded effects, which is applied to one of the three Shadowlands raids that existed before. Actually, it's, it says here it's going to have Sepulchre as well. Um, yeah. And the faded, the faded affix when it's when it goes in, it will actually update the challenge and the item rewards. 
Um, there'll, there's a new currency as well. Um, not really sure how the currency works, but you can use it to um, purchase three pieces of normal difficulty faded loot from the raids locked behind a quest chain that you have at the start. So you're basically going to be running, in addition to running, say, usually at the end of an expansion, you just run the same raid over and over again. You run the last raid. Or you just stop. You just stop. Yeah, you because just... It's like, okay, I have everything. I'm done. I got my achievements. I'm bored. I'm out until the next expansion. So now basically with this affix added to dungeons, you now will have the equivalent of, I don't want to say mythic plus raiding, but it's something like the mythic plus dungeon idea. You'll have one raid a week that you can go back to and the, the loot will be worth getting and, and the, the fights will be different. They'll, they'll have new difficulty stuff added to them. Since you, you two both raid more than I do right now, I won't be trying to come back to raiding until uh, dragon dragon flight. So why don't you guys talk about what it's like now and what you think it'll be like once we get the new faded effects to different raids. I talked I mean, a lot. I, Go for it, Liz. <laughs> I, I think the faded ethics is really interesting because we do have this thing at the end of every expansion. You usually have this long lull. And sometimes they're longer than others. Looking at you, warlords and uh, and mists. Don't, you know, don't talk about mists, please. I'm still getting over that. <laughs> you just, you know, you just have these long dry spells where there's nothing happening, and you maybe you log in, maybe you just leave for a while. And this seems like a great way to kind of revitalize additional content, like when I first, when we finished doing Castle Nathria originally, I was like. Nope, I'm out. I am never going back to this horrible place. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I've been in here so much. I don't ever want to go back again. But now they're giving me now it's been long enough that I I've kind of forgotten why I hated it and why I hated, you know, doing 200 pulls on Sire Denathrius to get him down and going back with some new challenge, some new something actually sounds fun and exciting. <laughs> And it sounds like something to do when we are at this point in the expansion, almost out of things to do, and we may be six months away from a new expansion. So without something like this, I would probably stop playing because there's nothing to do. I mean, I might, you know, I'd log on to get achievements and stuff like that, but there's no new challenging content. We're going to clear the current tier. And then it's like, okay, what do we do? Like, you hit a point where there's not really a reason to keep trying to upgrade your gear because the new expansion is going to come out. It's all going to be, you know, obsolete very quickly. And it feels it just starts feeling like nothing has a point. And OK, it's still kind of nothing has a point because that's all true. You're going to go to the next expansion. Everything's going to be obsolete pretty quickly. But you have something to do that's fun and different and new in the meantime. And it, seem, it seems like a great way to refresh old content because things like Castle Nathria, that is an amazing zone. It has so much detail. It has great boss fights. It has amazing voice lines. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good raid. And as it stands, you would usually do that. You clear the raid, you get out, you don't go back. You go on to the next one and you don't go back. And that does seem kind of... I don't know if this is the right way to talk about it, but like kind of wasteful of the developer's time because they spent so much time working on this cool thing and you do it for a while, you do it for a few months and then you're gone and you never go back. It like yeah. collects dust back there. So it seems like a really good idea to revitalize these things with new challenges and new loot that make them interesting and make you excited to go back again. My only concern here is that it's my understanding that these faded raids will have a one week lockout like they're going to switch mm -hmm. every week yeah which one's faded and it's like okay can our group like actually clear one of these raids if it's challenging and new in a week can we do that i don't know and it's See, and will it can you save the lockout or are you just going to be stuck you go through in a week and then it's done and you start over with the next one so i do wonder about that I kind of like it, though, because of that, if that makes sense. So, like, you, everything you said, absolutely on board with. I'm right there with you. I agree. Uh, there's this weird thing as you move through raid tiers where, like you said, things will get lost, right? It's it's like we we were literally just talking about this the other day where it's like, okay, well, we moved from Castle Nathria to 
you know, the uh, Sanctum of Domination from Sanctum of Domination now to the Sepulchre of the first ones. And once those new ones became available, and often before the new ones become available, you just stop with the old one, whether you have all your achievements and everything. Having a reason to go back and experience that content with whether it's with just adding this affix in, uh, doing the faded thing, I think is actually really, really good. And I think it's potentially fun because here's the thing, like a lot of the raids, like they're not perfect, but they're good. They're very, very good. The developers spent a lot of time figuring it out. Counter designers figure out a lot of, uh, you know, how to actually, as Matt loves to point out, and I believe it's a great thing to remember how to lose convincingly. Uh, Did we have fights that frustrated the hell out of us? Yes. But going back when you're overpowered or going back once you get the hang of it, it feels wildly different. And now adding this in, it's like, okay, we get to a point where we can clear in one night or one night in another day. Then, yeah, something like this would make sense. Make it a little more challenging, give you a different reason to go back to it. And clearing it in a week on a, on a lockout, it gives you an incentive to actually do it and push through it. And then it rotates through. Sure. Questions about the lockout? Absolutely. Like, I get that, too. Uh, I don't know if it's something you can say for the next time it comes around, uh, which would be really, really interesting because I forgot what the t- the decay timer is on being able to resurrect uh, lockouts. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But I'm all about refreshing content because I like for my money, I actually think that the raids in Shadowlands in particular were some of the best raids that they've done minus Anduin fight. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> um but I think that they've been some of the most engaging content with finding the balance between difficulty and, uh, you know, entertainment. Like, they've definitely hit frustration points, but also they're, I think they're really well designed overall. So, like, the idea of going back to, like, Castle Nathria excites me. Or going back to older stuff like Warlords of Draenor uh, excites me. Going back to, to any potential old content excites me. Because a lot of those raids are just a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm still I, not... I Oh, go ahead. I'm still not looking forward to going back to Grimrall Depot. But uh, other things, yeah, sure. I'll I'll grant that. (laughs) I'll hope that... My hope is that in the future, in Dragonflight, we see faded raids for previous expansion raids. I think that'd be really fun. Because I'd love to get to go back to some old raids. Um, Blackwing Lair, for example, would be cool Mm -hmm. to get to go back and actually do with the fights spruced up. I really like Blackwing Descent for that same. I would love to see that get spruced up yeah, too. Yeah, actually, Blackwing Blackwing Descent has some really cool, interesting ideas. But at this point, we're going to move on to talking about um, Overwatch Two a little bit, and specifically the Junker Queen because we got a, a reveal of her and what her abilities are going to be and so forth. And uh, I was looking it over because while I don't play much Overwatch, I do like to keep up on the lore and I am interested in watching it. And what I immediately started noticing was that the Junker Queen feels interesting as a tank um because she's got the wounds ability which is like a damage over time that prevents healing and that made me think of mortal strike i was like because mortal strike wasn't a dot but it did prevent healing it it halved all healing you took um and then she's got something like called adrenaline rush which is you know a lifesteal mechanism which warriors have in bloodthirst they they take a little health away when they hit things and now I'm sitting there going, okay. And then we got Commanding Shout, which is literally a warrior ability. I'm like, did they just decide they wanted to make a World of Warcraft warrior <laughs> inside Overwatch? Because that's what she feels like to me. Her abilities feel like a warrior. She's, you know, not like a Overwatch character, really. She doesn't have a gun. She's, she's just throwing stuff, I think. Yeah, she's got Jagged Blade and she tosses it at people. It's basically the same as that, you know throw ability that warriors got back in uh, burning crusade so that you know and then there's carnage which is this big circle arc thing she's doing which feels very whirlwind. much like sweeping strikes or, sweeping strikes, or yeah. whirlwind it's it's like seriously she feels like a world of warcraft warrior inside overwatch and i don't know what do you guys think about this i don't know if i know joe I, i'm pretty sure you play occasionally don't you i do actually um, what do you think of this this very melee very very status effect base on her. Like her characteristics seem to be almost all. Um, I didn't even mention she's got rampage. She's got rampage. That's a warrior ability. It's like, what's going on with you guys? This is a warrior. <laughs> I yeah, mean, rampage is the one that prevents them from being healed. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah. that's like the name is, you know, it's that's, that's a warrior name. It's just what? 
Yeah. I mean, the, I th- go ahead. I think the more video games you play, the more you're going to find things like this. Like, oh, this character feels like this other character. This character feels like this class. Because, you know, you know the thing they say about great artists steal. It's like you see a good idea, you borrow it or build on it to make something new. So if there are good ideas in World of Warcraft, if there are good ideas in Diablo, and you can combine them to make something new... You know, why not? Something that maybe doesn't feel like Overwatch because it's taking ideas from other places. Why not bring that same kind of fun into a new genre? I should be upfront. I don't oppose it. I'm just interested in seeing it (laughs) because... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I think it actually is exciting me for Overwatch 2 for a very specific reason. Overwatch 1, no matter what you do, is a very binary game. Kill the opponent, block damage heal damage, kill the opponent, heal damage, block damage. It's the cycle that constantly repeats, right? Uh, All of the characters do that to varying degrees. They don't really do a lot that actually affects the player over time. It's all generally in the moment. There may be, like, you have uh, May with her her frost and her slowdown, um, but really looking at everybody else, most of it's just damage or healing or blocking damage. Junker Queen is starting to explore design space in a first-person shooter, essentially, that is very akin to almost like a control tank. It's dealing damage, sure, but it's status effects. It's managing cooldowns. It's, you know, do I use the Jagged Blade uh, throw ability uh, now Do I or do I need it for later? Uh, commanding shout, literally called commanding shout. When do I blow that? When do I use that as that mini cooldown? It's it's an interesting design space because again, like commanding shout, it's increasing everybody's health around you temporarily and increasing your movement speed temporarily. That's not healing. It's just increasing the ceiling of health. These are all really novel and new mechanics for you know first person shooter based combat. I'm excited to see what other characters will do in that space. So if this is a, is a tank, what does a new healer look like? What does a new pure DPS look like? Not the traditional class, the one the characters we already know, but the new ones going forward. What are they going to look like? I'm really interested to see where that goes. Okay. I feel like I don't really have much else to add. I just really like the idea of a World of Warcraft warrior in Overwatch. Um but that does lead me now to the thing I put on here. And there's actually quite a few other things we could talk about that I had forgotten to put on here. So I'm going to go down to look at that. Um, I do want to mention this, actually. So Diablo Immortals first season is ending this week. It's ending Thursday. Um, we don't know what season two in Diablo Immortal will look like. Um, we don't really know if they're going to make any specific changes, if the battle pass is going to change, or if it's just going to be exactly like what we already had. Um, we're supposed to get a blog post about it this week, which is, I, I believe the, the phrase Liz used here is cutting it close. Cutting it close seems generous. I mean, th- <laughs> this is happening two days from now. And we, like, unless they put a post up tomorrow, you know what I mean? Like we should have the post in my opinion before we have the changeover. But regardless, if they do it like like Diablo 3 does, the season will end and then there won't be anything for a little while and then you'll get a new season. So maybe that's what they're going to do. I don't know. But that is interesting to me. What do you like my opinion of Diablo Immortal seasons is they are not the compelling gameplay aspect of the game to me. They no. did not particularly interest me enough to get me to buy a battle pass, like the the expanded battle pass. The thing I liked about the game is stuff that is just inherent to the game and not the seasons. So far the seasons don't do enough to make me interested in the change of them. Uh, the, I don't know if Joe's even looked at Diablo Immortal as a game. Yeah, I've um, been playing it. Okay, then you both can qual- can comment on this. In your opinion, what do you think the season ended up being? Do you think it was necessary, worthwhile? Do you think they needed to, to come up with something different, add something new to it? Where, you, where, do you, where would you go with the seasons? I'm going to start with Liz. Um, I mean, it seems like the season right now was just, okay, here's a battle pass, and the battle pass lasts for a month, so this season lasts for a month, and there you go, there you got it. Um, the Diablo team has talked about releasing new contents and the cadence of new content, and that's what I'm interested in. Are we going to get new story, new quests, new things to do with seasons? 
which would be a monthly release schedule because they're going to do, you know, all pass is a monthly thing. And that seems to be where our season breaks are turning it. So I'm really hopeful that a new season will come not only with a new battle pass, but with some new content and something new to do. And I think that'd be, that'd be great. That would be a good reason to look forward to a new season. Whereas a new battle pass is not that exciting. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Like the problem is with games that do things like battle passes, um, battle passes are not seasons. And generally speaking, a battle pass will last for a season. Sure. But I'll use I'm going to use Fortnite as the example. Uh, I know everybody loves the bag on that game, but they do content for their seasons at least they try to, they change things up so that every season that they put out there, the map is different or there are different things happening. And then the battle pass is just layered on top of that. Right now, Diablo Immortal really isn't doing anything in that vein to make me care about seasons or even care about the battle pass. And that's, I mean, it's fine for me. I'm not going to sit here and complain and say, you know, please give me a reason to, to for me to shell out more money as I'm literally already paying for tons of other games that blizzard uh, you know has out there but right now there's no value for it unless you specifically have something in there you want like this is going to sound really really goofy but even if it was this battle pass gives you a whole bunch of hats to wear that would be something (laughs) right like yeah no i don't i don't see that as goofy at all because literally, literally, Rocket League does does that. They do that with their battle passes, right? My car wears a different hat as as I level up through the battle pass, like, and I'm okay with that. That that's at least something. And like, now maybe it wouldn't be enough to get indiv- in- specific individual people, but it is a something. You know, I in, understand in, what you're saying. And the other thing that a I lot mean, of it, sorry, go ahead. It does have uh, one cosmetic armor set, but I believe it's just one cosmetic armor set at mm-hmm. the end of the battle pass. It's not. It's and not it's, a ton of stuff. It's not a ton of exciting stuff. Yeah, and, you know, and, if, if throughout the if throughout the season you unlocked parts of that cosmetic yes. set, then at least you'd feel like, oh, this is worth progressing through. Not and, like if you get all the way to the end, here's a cosmetic set. I mean, that would be a lot more like Diablo three seasons where you get pieces as you go. And that's, and that's exactly what, um, not exactly, but it's very similar to what they, again, going back to Fortnite, what they do, like when you unlock the like character skin from having the battle pass, as you level up the battle pass, the items that that character gets, the, the costume gets progressively more detailed or levels up as it goes along, uh, to, till it gets to its ultimate form at the maximum level. Um, but like the other thing that a lot of battle passes do that I don't think Diablo does or Diablo Immortal does is and I'll and I'll call out Fortnite and uh uh Rocket League and even League of Legends. You get like if your battle pass costs you fifteen dollars, and I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number, you get at least fifteen dollars in currency back just by playing on top of all the other rewards. So like if I buy a battle pass for $10 on Fortnite, they call it V bucks. Like you get that value in V bucks back. If you do the whole battle pass, if you're playing enough to justify wanting to buy the battle pass and you level all the way through, you get your money back as V bucks on top of all the other rewards that you've unlocked. Rocket league did the same thing with their battle pass. It's a lot of the ones that do it. Well, a lot of the ones that have a positive feedback loop, put that into there, whether it's your riot points or, or whatever it is. If you're spending $10 on the pass, you get $10 in currency back. I don't that's think that's smart in Diablo doesn't really do that. Right. Like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Like you pay and that's it. I don't know if the pass gives you the other currency. I haven't really looked into it that deeply. Well, there are like three versions of the pass. There is the enhanced battle is, um, you get some crests, you get some cosmetics, you get some emotes, um, things like that. You do get some things with value. I don't know if that comes back to the $10 a month. There's the collector's edition enhanced battle pass, which has a cooler cosmetic item, I think is the big thing with the collector's edition. Mm -hmm. And then there's the boon of plenty, which is, I believe, $5. And that's basically currency rewards. And And it adds adds six levels to your stash as well. And you get and you get a bunch of currency rewards and crests, and that may actually be as much value as you pay yeah. for. 
but I'd have to I'd have to do some math there. See, and as long as that happens, then I'm fine with it existing. But if it doesn't, then I have a problem with battle passes. So yeah, it, I think in general we can all agree that this particular battle pass hasn't done a lot to make us feel like it's necessary. Aside from it, just the the baseline one that you just get for playing mm-hmm. the game yeah. does pretty much anything you're going to need it to do. And there's not anything in the battle pass for the one that we've just seen that makes you go, huh, well, I really want to have that duck armor. Um, <laughs> not, not that I would necessarily, but I mean, it depends. If life was like a hurricane there in Duckburg, you know, but who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that's fair enough. I, I want to move this on because we have some other things to talk about here. One is that Murder at Castle Nathria, they've been revealing cards pretty much every day. And the expansion release is in August. It's on the 2nd, I think you said again? Yes, yes. So at the same time that they're going to be dropping uh, Shadowlands Season 4, they're also going to be putting out Murder at Castle Nathria. And that means they're going to be doing card reveals pretty much for a month. Because it's it's July 5th right now. That's pretty normal for Hearthstone to just do a series of card reveals day to day. There are, uh, I believe, 135 new cards, and they'll do a couple of reveals a day, and we'll just keep doing it until the expansion gets here. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the game where Murloc Holmes tracks down Sire Denathrius's killer. Uh, it was me and about can we, 12 of my friends. We, we came in a group <laughs> and did it. Can, can we mention how much I love and hate Christy Golden for writing that stage play? Because now all I can think about is... Uh, actually doing an audio drama based off of it with how many people I actually have to give her voice acting and do I have enough uh, effects banked inside of my computer to actually co- like <laughs> follow like I have I have a sound effect board of like I don't know thousands of, of things and sounds that I have that I've just I'm collected just, over the years. Right now, Can I do it? Me imagining. We should we should maybe preface this with the fact that in anticipation of this set, the Hearthstone team published a stage play. A do-it-yourself audio website drama. Of, 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 you know, Murloc Holmes going in to solve the mystery of the murder of Sire Denathrius. And it is, on one hand, it's kind of a cute way to tease out new cards we're going to get. But it is also hilarious and uh they're revealing it kind of piece at a time and it looks like they're going to be putting it all out in the next week or so yep uh but it is great you should go to the hearthstone webpage and read it it is really funny it was written by christy golden and it's just it's real over the top kind of radio drama stuff i i love it i just love it so yeah. much i really that's, i that's something we so need to good. mention because otherwise you guys won't uh, know about I, it I mean, Christy did call it a do-it-yourself radio drama, mm-hmm, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm wondering, is this a challenge? Have you issued a challenge to us? Is that what's happening here? I don't know. I don't know. You just very much reminded me of uh, the Freakazoid cartoon. Is that a challenge? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I, stay tuned to when Liz somehow forces the bunch of us to be in this. Uh, meanwhile, so poker <laughs> of the first one's got some significant nerfs. Um, I think most of the nerfs are for mythic. Um, no, uh, no some they're, they're, they're heroic. Yeah. Oh, they are heroic all over the place. Too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically it feels like we know that this, uh, I t- ahead of the curve and, uh, what is the other one? Cutting edge and ahead of Cutting the curve. Edge. Those, yeah. Those, those achievements will be ending in August. They'll end on August 2nd when the, uh, new patch comes out. I'm um, not the new patch, but the new season comes out. That's when they're going to take those out. So you've got roughly a month to get them done and they just nerfed a lot. So you probably have a decent chance to get at least one of those achievements. Um, if that's what you're something you're trying to do right now. So, you know, that's, that's something you should probably know about. Um, I am interested. They are, it does feel like they've been nerfing it a lot and frequently. Yeah. Um, you guys, I think you guys already got, um, at least ahead of the curve. Or no, I, we, are, we I'm, are I'm, Lords of Dread and uh, Jailer away. Are you a normal or heroic? Heroic. Heroic. Okay. I'm very confident that we will be able to do this thing before August. But yeah, we haven't. It's a tough raid. It's very, it's very tightly tuned. And I mean, we're a casual heroic group. Uh, we're all, you know, people with lives and busy schedules. And so we don't raid a lot a week. And it's been... I mean, it feels like it's been pretty challenging this tier. What do you think, Joe? Uh, it has, for a casual group, yeah, it definitely has been. Uh, the difficulty spikes, I, with the exception of Anduin frustrating me, 
I have enjoyed every single fight because the mechanics haven't been completely over the top. And even Anduin wasn't that bad once we got everybody on the same page. It was those damn stars. Um, (laughs) But it it is very much a raid that from Anduin on for the last, like the back four, essentially, you have to have everybody coordinated on the same page, which I actually I like. Uh, Because it does mean that everybody does have to pay attention to at least a certain extent. But it has been a challenging raid, but not necessarily in a bad way. But what do you guys think about the nerfs having come in like this? Do you think that that were necessary? Do you think that was something that they should have done? Okay, so Joe's (laughs) a yes. Yeah, I'm also a yes. I think it was a very tough raid. And one of the things we know is that fewer guilds have gotten cutting edge this tier than usual. Like a lot fewer Cutting Edge is the achievement for killing Mythic Jailer. Mm-hmm. And the numbers are real, real low because this is a tough raid. Um, so, yeah, they've nerfed the heck out of it over time. And uh, I think it needed it. I think, and especially towards the end of an expansion, the end of the season when these achievements are going away, now is the time to kind of, okay, we can ease off on the difficulty a little, let people who are already close kind of finish this off without making it super hard and taking it down to the wire. Um, Mike, we've been struggling to get Lords of Dread down, but uh, tomorrow, I believe they are, they're nerfing their health, right? Uh, yes. yes. Yep. They're reducing the boss health by 10% on all difficulties, and they're reducing the damage of Swarm and de- of Decay and Swarm of Darkness by 15% on Heroic. And that's that's pretty significant. Both of those things are going to be pretty significant. And uh, I think we're going to get them down on uh, Raid Night tomorrow. And the, the Jailer has had one, two, three, four, like a dozen nerfs coming in. You know, um, health reduced by 15% on Normal and Heroic. D- lots of damage reductions. Um... So I think for anyone who's been raiding, if you're getting close to the end of, of Sepulcher, I think it's going to be very doable because of these things. And this is going to help people, you know, make that last push to finish content and maybe encourage people who are getting frustrated and fed up to, you know, go ahead and finish. It's like, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. We're going to help you out a little bit. All right. Um, one last thing then. Uh, something I put in here that I want to talk about. I don't have a post written for it on the site yet, unfortunately. Uh, but I've, I've, I, like I said last week, I decided I'm going to go full bore back into Diablo three for season 26, mostly because I wanted to see the uh, new Wailing Nightmare experience, which I have now seen and I, which I like actually, it's quite fun. Um, but one of the things that happened was because my wife and I played together is that we decided to basically get to max level as fast as we could, uh, which we did in a couple of like I think in a day. It doesn't take that long to get to max level. Um, and we've been pushing since uh, today we did a greater rift 80. Um, and, and again, we're not like by any means, we're not like super great. I'm sure there are people who are already like, you know, greater rift 120 or something. Um, we're having trouble because a, a lot of the guides don't really seem to know what they want to tell you to do. Or the ones for barbarian are disappointing. Um, <laughs> I've been reading a lot of different guides, looking at like picking through what they're suggesting. And a lot of them are like, well, there's no S tier. There's no S tier build this year. Barbarians are in a sorry state. And I'm sitting there going, okay, um, well, I guess I'll just have to build my own builds then and see what I like, uh, what I think I like about those. I've actually found a few I liked, but I, I really feel like this season, more so than other seasons that had season themes that had directly affected your power, this season is one where, where experimentation is really better than finding somebody else's guide. Because I came up with, by myself, I came up with a... Uh, a seismic slam build that has permanent ancients. Uh, you wear two pieces of the um, immortal King set and then five pieces of the pull of the earth set with the ring of Royal grandeur as your, as your one of your three powers. And that means you get full six piece um, earth and then two piece uh, immortal Kings, which means your, your ancients always stand up. You, you turn the ancients into a damage sponge with together as one. And now you just go around just slamming everything. Like it's actually a surprisingly viable build. We we were running like like I said we did a uh, a greater rift eighty today and we went relatively few deaths. I think we died once. Um, so not too bad. Uh, and it's not a build that anyone will recommend to you. It's certainly not one I found anywhere else. Uh, so I I feel really strongly like 
we're at a weird place where this is the end of Diablo 3's lifespan. Because Diablo, Diablo 4 is coming out next year. I don't know when next year, but it's next year. There won't be too many more seasons. There'll maybe be a season 27 and a season 28. I don't think we're going to get up to season 30. Uh, I could be wrong. They, they could push, you know, we don't know. 2023 means any time between January and December of 2023. If it's December of 2023, then yeah, they could probably get to season 30. Well, here's but, a here's a question for you, Matt. Do you think they're just going to end Sunset Diablo 3? Because it's like right now we have Diablo 2, Diablo 3, and Diablo Immortal all existing simultaneously. Yeah. Do they and, have to sunset Diablo 3 when Diablo 4 comes out? I don't. When I when you say sunset, usually for a game like this, I don't think they'll sunset it. I don't think they'll like close it down and not let people play it anymore. But I don't think it's going to see active development. Um, hmm. I would like to see them keep seasons going. Like one of the things I would like them to do is possibly just say, "Okay, uh, now we're going to start over again with season one." <laughs> and you can that like, would be you, interesting. And you like you know, there's season one, and we go all the way back to like whatever the last season is. And we'll do them over, like, say, since we now don't have to redevelop them, we can do them on a more regular schedule. Because the, the, the predicting when a, a Diablo 3 season is going to come out is an exercise in futility. And I say this <laughs> to somebody who's done it multiple times, because they you never know if they're going to have a testing issue. So I, I hope that they, they don't sunset it completely. I mean, for one thing, I've thought about this, and I've thought about this, and I've thought about this, and I've never done it because I've never wanted to cause an argument and because it's subjective. but Playing Diablo 2 Resurrected made me like Diablo 3 more than ever. And then playing Diablo Immortal made me like Diablo 3 more than ever. Not that either of those games is bad, but in a way, they both show to me the strength that Diablo 3 actually had once Reaper of Souls came out. Once they got rid of the real money auction house and went back to an itemization based on drops you get, Diablo 3 just took off, in my opinion, and became an amazing game. And it still is to my, right now, it's the most fun I have playing a Diablo game. I like Immortal. I think Immortal is very good. And I like to log on every day and and do my Diablo chores. But then I often will then go and play Diablo 3 for like an hour and a half to two hours. Because I just enjoy the gameplay loop so much. And it's purely adventure mode. Adventure mode with its bounties and with rifts and with now the Wailing Nightmare has just come up with a way to just keep me involved in this game. And I, I really do feel like it would be a... Sh- I honestly think that if they're not looking at what Diablo 3 does right while designing Diablo 4, they're making a huge mistake. I get that you want to pull in some of that original Diablo 2 feel, and I understand why you'd want to do that, because it's very popular and has a lot... I mean, Diablo 2 is doing very well right now. It's getting new development time. So I understand that. But I really feel like they might... If they lose out on the just sheer replayability of Diablo three seasons. I mean, in Diablo three seasons and Diablo three adventure mode, they would be making an enormous mistake. Um, just, just a huge one. This is seriously, it's, it's just such an interesting puzzle games to me right now, sitting down and coming up with my own builds and coming up with what stuff that will work for riffs without really any help. Cause the guides are all just do these three builds. And it's like, if I don't have the gear for those builds, I you telling me that these are the only viable guilds doesn't do me any good. I, I If the gear has not dropped for me to do that, then I'm going to have to come up with something that I can do with the gear I have. And I you can. It's very, there's a strong experimental feeling to, to season 26 that I haven't felt in a while. Um, so yeah, I honestly, I think it's really strong right now. I, I would almost be really sad if they decided to stop all development on it entirely. I really feel like that would be a mistake that this game's run for, for 10 years for a reason. Um, but I mean, I don't think Joe has anything to say about Diablo three. If I'm wrong, go ahead and say it, Joe. Nope. I didn't think so. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll move on now to the, the email portion of the show. No, there's one, we, we need to what? talk about the one last thing, which is proletariat being bought by blizzard. Oh, thank you. Thank we you. I keep to. forgetting that this happened and it's so big and I keep forgetting that it happened. Uh, Liz or Joe talk about it because I'm I'm been talking for like five minutes. Joe, go for it. All right, Proletariat is a game company that was the minds behind Spellbreak, and if you don't know Spellbreak, I'm sorry. Uh, it is a battle royale game, but it is one of the best battle royale games that has ever come out. 
Um, for context, it is you play a wizard uh, that comes from one of the one of several elemental classes, and it gives you basically your primary power. As you go through the game, you pick up gauntlets that give you a secondary power. Sounds pretty bog standard when you talk about you know your your battle royales, but the game was super ambitious. The six elemental classes could combine things that you picked up, other spells, to have her, like amazing different spell combination effects. It actually had an elemental system in place so that if you were a pyromancer that happened to get an ice gauntlet, you could steam bomb people. It was way ahead of its time as far as that goes. And the interactions with it were absolutely phenomenal. The movement tech was phenomenal. Um, the game is just, it's really, really well done. Unfortunately, it is being sunset, and they, they mentioned about a day before the announcement hit uh, that they were going to be sunsetting the servers, which, again, this is a well-received game. It has a very high Metacritic score. It has a very high score on Steam. It has a very positive rating on basically anywhere you can review games, um, but they're going to be sunsetting it. And then they're going to be working on World of Warcraft development with Blizzard now because Blizzard bought them. I am curious about this because could this mean that they bought them because of that elemental system that they're shoving them into, you know, the development cycle for World of Warcraft? I don't know, but it is huge, huge news as far as that goes. Did either of you guys even know Spellbreak existed before this? Actually, I did, um, because it keeps popping up on my uh, various you-should-play-this-games list. I did not. No clue until this news hit. Yeah, and I'm, what do you think about... And, and that was just like the 1,000-mile like stare view, or whatever you want to call it, the 10,000-mile view of, of what was going on or what that game was. But that elemental system, I can't get it out of my head and what it could possibly mean for World of Warcraft. Do you think they might be trying something more ambitious in the future? It's hard to say because the last time that WoW added a bunch of people to its development cycle, we got Warlords of Draenor. <laughs> Which, I mean, that sounds like a complete dig, but I actually think that the Warlords of Draenor was front-loaded. All the good stuff was the leveling experience and the stuff you did during the leveling experience. The problem with Warlords of Draenor was we hit max level and then you waited and waited and waited and waited for something to happen and nothing I don't know that that's, I don't see any reason that would be what would happen this time, but it is hard to look at them adding people to the team and expect anything as fast as during Dragonflight we'll see results from this. Oh, I don't think we're going to see anything soon, but I'm wondering about long term. Yeah, I don't, I think if whatever proletariat will be adding to World of Warcraft will be in the next expansion. That's my opinion. I just don't think they'll be up to speed enough to contribute anything substantial to Dragonflight because not we know full well that if Dragonflight's coming out this the end of this year that they've already got what they're doing for Dragonflight is being worked on right now mm -hmm. like what's coming after the launch is, is being worked on right now so I don't know maybe maybe Proletariat will come in and add something I doubt it'll be something as simple as the same system that we saw in Spellbound because spell you know, that just Spellbreak sorry I keep saying Spellbound I don't think they're going to to just you know add on that system but it's possible they're being brought in because they want to do some new system in world of warcraft that is related to it i um, but i you know just don't yeah know. I, I, that's why i'm kind of thinking is like i would love to see like if we're about to get some new hotness uh added in a upcoming expansion or content or something that revolves around what proletariat was really 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 good at uh, whether it's movement tech or whether it's the elemental system or something along those lines, I'm here for it. Also, the other thing I will say is like the the spell effects and and spell break were absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so they definitely know how to do a uh, a spell like effect system. So like maybe uh, maybe my chain heal won't just look like I'm spitting water at somebody in the future. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I just didn't want. I want to make sure we didn't miss that. Sorry. Go ahead, Liz. I'm. I'm not familiar with the company. I'm not familiar with what they've made. But what I do really think out of this is that World of Warcraft is very much in need of some fresh blood. Obviously, we've seen a lot of departures from the team. 
And I know a lot of people are really worried about that, are really worried about the number of people we've lost in Warcraft development and just Blizzard in general. And when I look at that, I think, okay, yes, it's sad that these people are leaving, but maybe what we need is fresh blood in the company. Maybe what we need is not to look at the designers we all know and love who have been making Warcraft for years and look for the next generation of designers who are going to make Warcraft great for the future years. You know, I see developers departing as it's sad, but it's also potentially an opportunity mm -hmm. to get new talent and learn about new developers who will make great things. So I'm hopeful that by acquiring this team that has made good, positively reviewed games in the past, we are bringing in a big infusion of talent to the Warcraft team that will help make Warcraft better, whether that means new features showing up in Shadowlands or not. Long term, it's bringing in fresh blood. This is a good time to do it. Yeah, this and is as, the right time. And as somebody in chat, Savage Turnip uh, points out, and I actually very much agree with the statement, Warcraft needs devs that don't usually make MMOs to join the team. Because oh. the reason, and I agree with this, because uh, Warcraft has been the standard, the absolute standard for MMOs for a very long time. But part of that is also problematic because you get kind of stuck in your own way and that's it, right? Like, I'm, I don't want to bag on it because we have a question about this, but like the new quote unquote talent system that feels way like the original talent system, at least to me, is like a hallmark of that as far as that goes. It's like, this is the design space that we created. We're going to go back to it versus somebody who doesn't work on MMOs coming in with fresh ideas to potentially make the game more exciting or possibly more accessible. Like I'm all here for it. I, do I think everything's going to work all the time? No, but I'm okay with taking chances. And I think, I think Savage Turnip is right. I think having devs on the team that haven't been making MMOs or uh, specifically making MMOs, I think is a good idea. You need new ideas yes. to come into the team. And I think, yeah, bringing in a, team of known developers that's that's a great way to do it all right i'm sorry you guys started talking so i started doing transmog um, <laughs> is okay i have the stream up here is that a sword made of rainbows that you're wielding there yes it is <laughs> yeah see this is a place where warcraft could steal some ideas and add a sword made of rainbows i mean that'd be that'd be a really smart Smart decision. I'm just saying. Just saying. If anyone's listening, this is what you should be thinking about doing. Here's my rainbow wings. <laughs> my rainbow butterfly wings. You, you wonder why I've been like obsessively playing this game the past week. I mean, look at me. I'm a butterfly. I'm a butterfly with <laughs> rainbow swords, and I cut people in half by spinning at them. I mean, you know, it just doesn't get better. Or sometimes I just charge people like that. See, so just charge, charge people. How you doing? So yeah. Um. At this point, however, we're going to move on and do in some there some there questions that we do. Uh, so, if you guys have questions for us here at the podcast, first off, um, you can email us, and I encourage the heck out of you to do so um, at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for this show and not one of the I don't know six hundred thousand other podcasts we do. Um, or you can go to our Discord server. Um, we've got the Q and patron podcast channel which is for no it's q and podcast channel for non-patrons then there's the patron q and podcast channel for patrons if you're a patron of the site on on patreon we do look at your questions first because you guys make it so we can afford to keep doing this and we want to give you something back it's just something we like to do so i'm gonna say first up this time joe just gonna say joe i'm not gonna do any of the things i usually do just joe go for it and he won't do it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I apparently was talking into a mute because I'm a professional. This one comes from Tetsemi. Uh, since Shadow Priests get to choose who they worship, pick uh, old god-themed talents, what would Matt do for warriors, and Joe do for shaman, and Liz do for paladins? Before I turn it over to you guys, I wouldn't do anything because the core, ta the core tenet of a shaman in choosing your spec is leaning hard into the elements already. So there really isn't anything to do with like elemental favors that I, that I could really think to add that isn't already part of the core class. So nothing, I, 
yeah, that's all I got. So you guys, what do you think? Well, I would honestly, first off, I can already come up with something for Shaman, um, which I do play from time to time. So I would have there be specific packs you could make with the various elemental lore. Uh, and if you wanted to be like a pact of fire shaman, there'd be a talent for, you know, summoning and controlling fire elementals. It wouldn't even be summoning and controlling. But the thing that I would think to do more often it would, than, than pacts would be to decide whether or not you want to be a dark shaman or not and make that a core part of the class. Like a dark shaman player isn't asking, he isn't bargaining, and he isn't discussing. There's no entreating. A dark shaman player is forcing. And that would have different effects on spells. Um, maybe that would it would be a, a negative to your healing, but a positive to damage. Or the other way around, if you're just compelling spirits to heal for you and forcing them to do your bidding. Uh, that's one thing I would think to do for shaman. Um, for warriors, I would actually, instead of it being the old gods, it would be titans and titanforged. Uh, I think a lot of warrior stuff, in order to make warriors actually have some kind of flavor... Uh, we've kind of been running away from the concept of individualized warrior things like the mountain King or the, uh, I can't think of the word the the one that the Torn had big, big totem that they hit people with. Um, I can't remember. It was, I think it was like tribal chief or something. I, I forget, but we, we could basically go to an idea where everybody like picks one of the various members of the Titan Pantheon. And there'd be like a, like a Nosdormu one. Oh, not North Dome. Oh, that'd be cool for Dragonflight, actually. Now that I think about it, it can make packs with dragons. Um, but like you could have uh, an Amonthul warrior who sped up and slowed down, or a an Aonar warrior who like was not just fighting for life, but had Aonar's like grasp on them, so they would much harder to kill. Um, and so forth. That that'd be something I'd go for. Uh, Liz? See, I have trouble thinking about it for Paladin because all paladins have such a similar theme. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of paladin you're doing. You're kind of, you know, you're you're working with the light. You are uh, wielding the power of the light against, you know, your enemies, its enemies. I don't know. Like, it doesn't feel like something that has the same kind of themes as a shadow priest might. The old gods kind of inherently bring a lot of flavor, and each of them are a little different. And that makes kind of a compelling reason you could pick talents that kind of make you lean into one or the other. There's a lot of color there, a lot of flavor there. And I don't really see where that fits with Paladin, where there's a lot of sameness. Even if you look like, okay, we've got the Order of the Silver Hand. Maybe you could say you were pledged to this Order of Paladins, you were pledged to that Order of Paladins, you were pledged to that Order of Paladins. Totally something you could do, but, you know, it seems like it would be very samey. Um, but one thing I was wondering is what if you had something that's kind of like the Druid's affinity talents, because right now Druids have a, a talent row de dedicated to affinities. You can have resto affinity or guardian affinity, and it kind of gives you a little taste of another uh, spec in your spec. Like with uh, resto affinity, you get this passive heal over time that just... Is you know I think that one's one of the really powerful ones if you're if you're doing content out there because you have a little bit of extra healing oomph. But what if paladins had something like that to where I could be a holy paladin with protection affinity? So I'm holy, but I have a little more tanky ability. I'm a little harder to kill. Maybe I could even off tank if I needed to. Or maybe I go Retribution Affinity, and then I have a little higher focus on damage and hurting things. Uh, you know, all in the name of the light, of course. But, I, I mean, it's just tough. I really like the Affinity system for Druids. I think that's a very interesting way of hybridizing them. But not every class has this inherent thematic thing like Shadow Priests do. So I, it's, it's hard to think of something similar, because there's not anything that's quite similar. See, I would have thought you'd want to do something along the lines of the various paladin orders. Well, That's Liz, did, Liz did mention that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I so just, I just don't see where you would go with that flavor. Like, where, where are you going to flavor your paladin with that? Well, I mean, I guess Silverhand. You instead of uh, summoning maybe pure manifestations of the light, they take on a more Titan esque aspect because you know you're summoning tier. Tier. Right. Yeah. Like you Whereas could, if blood knights would be, you know, calling upon, you know, the power of their 
for lack of a better word, their blood, their their heritage, the the people that they want to protect and defend. Yeah, there's there's ways to do it, but yeah, I think you're right in that paladins tend to all be of a sameness. And we don't really have shadow paladins, although they, I guess they could exist. I don't know well, I mean, the closest thing we have to shadow paladins are death knights, right? We, the, those are basically Warcraft's version of the anti-paladin. Yeah. I guess we're done. Yeah. So Liz has to read one. <laughs> you know, I think we should start rolling dice to see who reads this. The, the person will, who gets the... I will l- point out, guys, we're basically at a show. <laughs> I, I think, so, I think, I think we have time one question for one and, more. Yeah, yeah. Pick one question. Liz, just read through this and pick something and read it. <laughs> pick something and read it. Just read everything. Um, question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. We're getting four old dungeons put back into the pool at the start of Dragonflight. Going off the lore and th- going off of lore or thematic reasons, which do you think would be good to add? That's from Mirtini. I mean, we've had a lot of dragon-themed dungeons over the years. I mean, there Warcraft has so many dragons, and I love dragons, so I'm super into more dragons. Uh, I don't know. You have so many choices if you're going for dragon-themed things. You two know a lot more about the game lore. What do you think would tie into Dragonflight well in terms Honestly, of older dungeons? I've been thinking about this since they said they were doing it, and I was like, okay, how are you doing it? What is it? Are you just going to bring them up to date? Like, I think Aldemon, you're basically going to a new secret part of Aldemon that we didn't know about. Yeah, there. well, there, um, was, there were a couple doors in Aldemon we couldn't get through, right? Yeah. So we're just going to go back to Aldemon and go into a part of it we hadn't been to before. Um, but I, I think Sunken Temple, because it's so tied into the Green Dragon Flight, and mm-hmm. it literally, the Sunken Temple was sunk when Ysera just smashed the thing. Like, she just summoned her power and smashed it into the water. Uh, to keep uh, Hakar contained. And Aranicus went in there and got himself all messed up. So it's tied into the... And there there was always supposed to be some connection to the Nightmare, but mm-hmm. we never found out what it was. And let's, we know Hakar's back. Out. Yeah. Yeah, we know Hakar's back now after uh, the events of Shadowlands. Hakar is going to return. So you could do something with all that where like the green dragons under uh, Melithra have to go and figure out like you know find out ancient secrets of what was going on and what what Ysera knew that she was trying to stop from happening and how we end up dealing with that um that would be one i'd do um i, I could list a bunch more but i want to let joe go bring back everything in black rock spire for obvious reasons uh for doing dragon themed stuff and bring back everything in the nexus like we those are 100% fantastic value adds for Hi, this is an expansion about dragons. Let's go through some dragon dungeons. Uh, also, because I really, in my heart, I know it will never happen, but I'm going to keep hoping. I want to go back to 10-man Upper Black Rock Spire. I, I, wa- I want that to happen again. I want a 10-man dungeon Upper Black Rock Spire. I know it will never happen again, but I want it so, so bad. Yeah, I remember doing those runs <laughs> I, very many times. I was one of the first people on my server to get the ring. Mm-hmm. And so everyone would be like, oh, can you be in this? Can you be in our run? I'm like, you just, you want to get into Upper Black Respire, don't you? Yeah. Like, okay, fine. If, <laughs> if, if Valor drops, it's mine. Did that, that cool? Because otherwise get somebody else. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, all right then. And I remember the one run I did where someone tried to give Valor to the Paladin. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm leaving. Bye. And they're like, you forget getting me to do this for you again. Oh, okay. No, no. He, 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 we said we would give it to him. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, there's a like, you know, Blackwing Lair all by itself. We already talked about um, Blackwing Descent we mentioned, and there's more. I mean, quite frankly, uh, if they did some kind of like, you know, looking back to the mists of time thing, you could have like, you could, you could have a Nixia back again and I'd be okay with that. It, you know, just straight up, you know, we go back to a Nixia's lair and there she is. Cause we went back in time to fight her again. <laughs> why, why? Cause just cause she's there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of dragon fights. I would be down for all of them. Yeah. I'd be back for all the world dragons. Bring back all the dragons of Nightmare. I don't care. No, oh, wow. Bring back Azurgos. <laughs> well, I mean, technically Azurgos is still there, right? He's just, you know, off in a different corner now. <laughs> uh, but I think that's going to be it. Yeah, you want me to do the thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do the thing. All right, folks. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. 
Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chances of having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. As a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard as well as the game industry and pretty much all industries at large as they continue to work towards unionization for the ability to demand a better change uh, in their working environments and a safer tomorrow. Thank you, Joe. Uh, and... Thank you to all of you for coming and being along with us on this podcast as we talk about games and stuff we love. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Like, literally, we couldn't. That's the whole Patreon deal. Um, thank you to Liz. Uh, thank you to Joe. And thank you to all of you. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, we're going to be back next week. <laughs>